Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You need someone who, who you trust, really, and, and who you have a, a relationship with. Um, because it's not easy to be told, you know, do you know you do this? <laughs> do, do you know this? you do this or this is not this is not quite right the coaches network bringing the game together you're now listening to the coaches network a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together my name is coach yas a uefa a licensed fa advanced youth award and fa goalkeeper b licensed coach with over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies. I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds the FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways alongside a vast experience on individual player and team performance analysis. And as part of our insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Jess, and today I've got a very special guest with me. Today's guest is Mikey Harris. Mikey Harris is currently the National Specialist Coach for the Professional Development Phase with the England Youth Teams. Good morning, Mikey. How are you, mate? Morning, Yaz. How are you? Fine, thank you. All good, my end. Thanks. All good. Perfect. Um, first of all, I just want to say, you know, a belated happy birthday. I know it's your birthday early this week. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks, mate. I'm trying What's to keep that? those quiet now, but... Um... 45, but... is it? <laughs> no, not quite. 36. 36. Right, right. right. you know, uh, again, thank you for being with me this morning. Um, don't want to waste any time. I want to get right to the heart of it. Um, just take us back to your coaching journey, how it started and, you know, where you first found that passion for coaching. Wow, yeah. It's, um, it's, a, it's a great question. So I think for me, my, my coaching journey started actually very, very, very young. I remember... Um, doing a thing called the Junior Sports Leaders Award at school. I'm not sure whether that still exists. I'm sure it's evolved into something a bit more um, a bit more comprehensive now. But for me, that was my first taste of coaching. I remember going from a secondary school into a, a local um, junior school and basically we had to, we had to run um, a coaching session and do all the planning and, and then deliver it to the, to the younger kids. And so I was 15, I think, at the time and just remember absolutely loving it and and just being so immersed in sort of trying to help these these kids do sport and I remember the 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 head teacher of the school coming up to me um at the at the end of the session and just going how did you find that I said yeah I absolutely loved it and he said well if you uh, if you want a job when you leave school come come and see us and I think that kind of gave me a little bit of of confidence uh, sort of an adult telling me that 
Um, and from that moment on, really, I sort of wanted to get into specifically football coaching. Um, but but generally at that point, pretty much anything to do with sport. Um, and I remember taking, trying to get on a level one course. It was really, really difficult at, at 16. Um, but I ended up doing my level one course and also my level two at that time with with the army fa um as a as a civilian which was quite a, a an experience as a as a young sort of lad uh, at that age going into a military environment so i think that was quite quite an interesting start to to the level ones and level twos and from that moment on i just any opportunity to do any grassroots coaching or or get involved with with anything that was going on locally um Again, generally football coaching, um, and at that time I was I was playing myself. So I was at college and I was an associate schoolboy at Bournemouth um, at the time, having been released from from Portsmouth as a player, not getting a not getting a scholarship, um, and yeah, playing playing for college, playing for Bournemouth, um, and, and coaching sort of every every possible minute, um, and kind of led on to to me at, at 18 um thinking that I could probably do probably do this for myself and I think my my dad was a big big driver in why don't you start your own business and and I sort of remember saying at the time dad I'm only, I'm only 18 I'm not ready to to start my own business and he just said well, well why not and he sort of didn't say pushed me into it but certainly gave me a bit of a a bit of um confidence to to go and start it and to go and get it up and running and, and I started it in um just local to, to where I where I lived and um gradually built it up over time and sort of one Sunday morning session with four kids on day one became uh two sessions with twenty kids in each session and then it was, you know, can you do after school clubs, can you do holiday clubs, can you do um birthday parties and then it just kind of spiralled from there and I think um that that initial kind of exposure and time on the grass and having to to manage and run my own business initially um has really stood me in 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 good stead because it's not just the on the grass stuff i had to do all the the admin you know i was the i had to had to mow the pitches i had to do do everything i had to to wash the bibs you know you name it i was sort of like a one-man one-man band until the, the business sort of grew to a point where you know, I could get other people involved. So I think that was, so that was kind of from 15 to 18, really. And then, then my business sort of carried on till I was about 23, 24, um, before I sort of became full-time in the professional game. And it was very difficult to, to carry it on after that point. But I think, yeah, that was, that was kind of my, my introduction to, to coaching, really. Mm. So what was it about, about the coaching that, you know, that really caught your, caught your, uh, I guess, your passion? Well, I, w- I was always sport obsessed um, as a kid, you know, particularly football and, and cricket as well. Um, well, any any sport really, but predominantly, you know, those those are the days where you you played <laughs> you played football in the winter and cricket in the summer. Which, as we know now, the the um, the football season is pretty much twelve months of the year now. And and uh, at one point, I had to make a choice into which which sport I was, was going to go into, and and it was always going to be football. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think it was, um, it was just those, 
those experiences that um that kind of led me led me into that and the passion of helping other people i think to fulfill their potential um was was a, was another strand of that so i think that that passion for sport coupled with uh, a desire to help other people to to grow and and to, and to flourish especially sort of in their in their formative years was kind of what what drew me to it and i think football coaching gives you a platform to do that because it's not just about helping people to to fulfill their potential as as players it's more you know can you help them grow as as human beings you know some of the most satisfying coaching that i've done is when you have a uh, a kid turn up to a session who might be really shy really nervous maybe um doesn't have confidence and, and maybe it isn't isn't fantastic at the sport but over time maybe they don't turn out to be an elite performer but they grow in confidence in their and their social skills develop and it allows them to to have confidence in their in their life i think that was one of the things that that i used to love about working with that age group and in that environment sort of in, in grassroots um so that was kind of what what drew me to it um initially and then i think as as i went on um and developed myself as a coach and started to to get into a bit more of the more i guess elite stuff um that's when i sort of started to develop a bit of a desire to to try and coach um at the highest highest level i could um and then really from that moment on that's what and still now that's what i, what I set out to do you know, use that word there a couple of times, elite. You know, for those that maybe aren't too familiar with what you're referring to, would you mind just going into a bit of detail on what you define as that elite environment um, and how your, I guess, your journey progressed into those environments? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a good question. I think um, elite for me is, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going to, if you're striving to do it for a job, I think I think that's that's elite. So when it becomes professional, um and i think uh for me it was it was just i was starting to to get really it, sort of in, into the knowledge and the depth of of tactics and and techniques and then opening up into the sort of the psych and social corner and, and sort of really i just really wanted to to sort of work with the best players i possibly could to see if I could help those that sort of level of player as much as I I would help maybe um, sort of someone who's just been introduced to football and and I think I felt like I could I could help those those types of players and um, I went through as I say I started to um, started to work with with Portsmouth Academy with the younger age groups. Um, when they were in the when they were in the Premier League, so I was doing this sort of the under eights and and under nines at that time, along alongside my business and alongside playing myself, and um, and I think just just got a real buzz off working with those those players, that, you know, the best players at, at each age group, really. Um, and then as I sort of developed those those players at the younger age group, then I started working with um the senior players at my club which at the time was was Salisbury City and I was a player there but 
the manager at the time started asking me to do some some um some coaching sessions some warm up and then i i did a course as a as a personal trainer and a fitness instructor so i started to do a bit of fitness work and then ended up going to university and doing sports science so then i sort of wrote a sports science strategy for the club which for a non-league club in those days was just um unheard of to 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 sort of have that sort of level of um you know level of strategy and professionalism and that's how it, I got started in more in the senior senior side of it and then quickly realized that um I was probably a lot better coach than I was a player um and uh and that's when sort of at 23 I was offered um the assistant manager's role um for Salisbury in, in, in we were in the conference premier at the time and Tommy Widrington was the manager and I think there were a few eyebrows raised when he um when he offered me the role and um bit given my age and and I, I snapped his hand off and and um had a had a fantastic three years under Tommy where I learned a huge amount um and that did involve me sort of stepping away more from the from the playing side of things um which uh to be honest was was probably yeah, I, I'm not sure my 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 body was was cut out for for full time football, and um, I don't think I was ever going to to reach the the um, the levels that I'd want to. So it was a no brainer really for me, and then sort of just kicked on from there. Mm. And just to kind of uh, you know paint a bit of a picture and a timeline, you, what, what year are we in now then? Um, so so I was. 23 so what are we talking put me on the spot here 23 years ago yeah i was 23 years old so 13 years ago so it will be 2007 i think i'm, I'm sure you said you turned 46 this week <laughs> that was you that said that <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah i think yeah 2000 2007 um off the top of my head that, that might not be bang on accurate but yeah. it was uh it was that time. I'm not great. I'm not great with dates, guys, as I've probably um, demonstrated with that question. But um, um, yeah, it was no, so around that time. Touch on the, your experiences moving into obviously you know the initial stage. You put, um, I guess, working in the academy at Portsmouth, and you know, bringing as as you put, you know, what a bit more professionalism to I guess a non-league environment. Now, things have progressed massively over the years Huge. in terms of that aspect of things, and certainly with the over the last 15, 15 years in particular, where there's been a massive, um, I guess, development and push, especially from the FA's perspective, around the four-corner model and how much of it is, mm. uh, you know, become much more multidisciplinary approach. And obviously with the introduction of the E3P and the extended multi, multi, multiple disciplines and different departments within the clubs, what is, you know, what what's that help? What's that been like for you going through that? And how, you know, what have you picked up from working alongside other departments as closely as you would have within an academy setting. Oh, it's huge! It's it's absolutely huge, and and I think again, if we t- touch on the you mentioned the four corner model there. I think, as you rightly say, I think over the past few years there's been massive, massive strides. Even even in the last three years, five years, th- things just keep moving at such a pace, and the game evolves at such a pace. Um, and I truly believe that in terms of the the technical tactical side of the game the level of coaching 
goes on in academies in this country um, is is outstanding. Generally speaking, I, I think there's there's some real real good work being done. I think um, that that corner of the model is uh, the, the the quality um, through obviously the not only the, the the coaching pathway that the FA provide, but just the the amount of extra CPD opportunities that there are for people and for coaches and that that exist today is just is just amazing. And I think that serves to to really push the quality up in in that area of the model. And I think physically, in terms of the physical corner, obviously now you, you've got you've got GPS, you've got nutritional support. Um, you've got hydration strategies, all these things. I think clubs um, at all levels, really, I think are, are really nailing these things. Um, my personal view is that the other side of the model, uh, the psych social side, um, I think we have got, we, when I say we as, as an industry, I think we've got a huge, huge um, opportunity for gain in that area i don't think it's something we do well enough um and i don't think and we you, sorry are you suggesting that's are you suggesting that's uh, something that we need to be, be improving on 100 percent. 100 percent. i think um i think in in my humble opinion you know the the impact of if i take the area that, that i work in or the age group that i work in predominantly or have done recently which is the PDP, so we're talking under 18s, you know, under 17s, under 18s predominantly. You know, you're dealing with the adolescent brain. You're dealing with teenagers who are going through huge changes, huge changes physically, huge changes in their brain. Um, and the impact of that just can't be ignored. Um, and I'm not sure, as a as a as a coaching fraternity, if you like, we have enough depth to our understanding in that. And, and I include myself in that and I'm, I'm sort of striving to try and try and understand that better and, and, um, and you know, be, be better in that area. But f- for me, the, the area of, you know, understanding the brain, because eff- effectively, fundamentally, that's what controls everything we do. So I, th- I think there's huge, huge gains to be made by there and, and huge competitive advantages to be, to be gained when you're talking about it from an elite setting. But also, you know, a subject which is very prevalent at the moment at all levels of the game, whether you're playing socially or whether you're playing um, to try and, you know, win a World Cup, the impact of, of mental health and, and, the, and, the, and the brain and, and psychology on, on your, your, not just your, your, not just your performance, but your well-being is, is so important. And as I say, I think it's, all, it's something we should all be, striving to uh to do a bit better with and, and to learn more about mm. it's just coming back to you obviously you're a couple of years there at Portsmouth um eventually ended up at you know at, at you know Brighton and obviously you know with the FA mm. now how, how did that journey continue from that point so I had um I actually had three stints at Portsmouth um four if you include my my time in the academy there as a player um, so initially it was doing the under eights and under nines. Um, and then alongside my time at Salisbury, I did the under 13s and under, four, uh, sorry, the under 13s for a year, under 13s, under 14s group. Um, 
and then at that the the following season after I'd taken that group, I was then offered the manager's job at Salisbury. So that was then we were a full time club in in the Conference Premier at that point, and that meant that due to obviously getting that job um, and the you know the work commitments and the and the focus that you need to do a job like that I had to I had to stop doing my academy stuff at Portsmouth I mean for for six or seven years I, w- I was coaching every day so I was doing um that be after school clubs or holiday things in the, in the school holidays and evening sessions at the academy at Portsmouth and daytime sessions because we were training full-time and then I was running my um taking games on a Sunday or running my coaching business on Sunday I was literally coaching for seven days a week and then when I got the manager's job at Salisbury I kind of said okay this is this is one incredible opportunity at the age of 28 to manage um a full-time club in the in in what's now the National League I've got to I've got to focus on this and I've got to dedicate um my life effectively to this um so everything at that point i had to step away from my role at portsmouth um my business took a massive backseat and and um i just threw myself in into that role and and that season um and that was the most most intense um fantastic experience in, in my career really And just kind of build on that, you know, we talk there about having to almost dedicate your life to that. Now, mm. I know, but you know, you've got a young child. Were you were you a dad? No, no, well? no, God, no. Um, so no, I was uh, I was able to to do that. So I think um, how I how I did that job then, and how I would do that job now. Um, you know, given the experiences that I've I've had today, you know, since that time, and and the, and the kind of the the knowledge that I've got now, I, I would I would have probably done it a lot differently. Um, and I think that's you know, if 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 we all reflect on on jobs we've done in the past and things that ways way we did things, I certainly would change a lot of the things I did. I think I'm I'm hopefully a lot more uh of a of an established um practitioner than I, than I was back then um but I think you know f- for for my age and the stage of development I was at I think we did some good stuff um and it was a it was a really really successful year relatively speaking for the football club and you know managing a non-league mm-hmm. club is not without its challenges and and I could probably talk for for hours and hours about some of the stories that that went on um and like I say, for me as as a twenty eight year old manager, having to having to manage players that were older than me, having to um, manage not just the team but but the club to a degree, and trying to grow the club and evolve the club and increase the attendances and um, attract players to the club and develop the training ground and uh, all all of those sorts of things. I I just sort of threw threw myself into it. Um, and you know and it was uh it was a shame that following that se- successful season that we had um we weren't able to to build on it and to push for you know to push for a, a place in the football league because that's kind of where we where we were at but um um 
the sale of the club, which uh, went south very quickly, which was a real shame. Um, put pay to that, I'm afraid. You know, and if it's just kind of build on that, and obviously, you know, you spent spent the time there. You know, had a successful season. Um, you mentioned you had a couple stints mm-hmm. at Portsmouth. Um, how did the role at Brighton come about? Um, so yeah, probably worth rewinding to so the end of my time at, at Salisbury when when the the club was sold and I I left because the the club went from um, National League, so step one of the non-league, down to step seven and had to be reborn as as another club. Um, at that during that summer, I actually moved to Portsmouth as youth team coach. Um, so okay. having having worked in, in the foundation phase at Portsmouth and then the and the YD phase, I then um, stepped into the the under 18s role, and I think that was a that was a big transition for me because I went from predominantly focusing on on senior football. You're looking at the next game, you know, win the next game. That's you don't really look beyond that. Um, you know, can we get a result in the next game? Very team focused approach, very much trying to get a group of people together um, to deliver as a team, as a squad um, in the next fixture. Now, moving into the, the youth team at Portsmouth, that focus changed to, okay, now you've got to work with individuals in a team framework to develop them for first team football in maybe two, three years time. Um, and I think I, in the first few weeks, um, that transition from sort of first team to academy, and I guess that's kind of maybe like a little bit of a backward coaching journey for some. I think generally speaking, most people start off in academies and, and build, build their way up. My experience was, yes, I was doing the work in academies, um, at the younger age groups and obviously in grassroots, but predominantly my focus was to to work with senior players and, and to develop them to win games um, at that level. Mm. And I really struggled with that transition. I'm not ashamed to say that. Uh, for the first, I'd say, three to six months, I was still probably preparing a, a team to go out and get a result. Um, and then I sort of had realized that very quickly that that wasn't what it was all about and you know um mark kelly the academy manager at, at portsmouth who you know is a, is a very is a very great friend and, and 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 mentor and he was a great boss at that time sort of sat me down and said you know we need we need to need to be focusing more on these these individuals and and that was a kind of a real real moment for me and and that was when i started to shift a little bit um and then be more focused on on the development side of things, which then, you know, began to really enjoy as well. Um, and then that 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 led me to, I know your original question was was how did you get to Brighton? So I spent three three and a half years at Portsmouth, um, and then I think we were my my, my kind of goal at, at Portsmouth was to. To, to manage the first team one day that was that was always my kind of dream which appreciate is it it probably sounds a bit sounds a bit crazy but um that was always my my sort of desire I was the club I grew up supporting um obviously played for them as a kid and, and worked my way up through the coaching setup and the next progression for that for me was for us to have an under 23s group 
um, at Portsmouth and, and then, um, you know, manage that and then and yeah. hopefully learn from the experienced managers that we came in, that came in. So Zandy Orford was first team manager when I was originally there, then Paul Cook and then latterly Kenny Jacket. So three excellent coaches, really experienced managers that, you know, I managed to learn off. And that was kind of what I was thinking. Um, hopefully one day I can be involved in, in that first team setup. Um, but the 23s, the, the, the club's mm. sort of financial position and where it, where it was and it, in its in its structure at the time didn't lend itself to a 23s. And, um, you know, the, the, the chief exec was very honest with me about that. Um, and when the opportunity to to go to, to Brighton um, presented itself as a, as a category one, um, really forward thinking, really progressive academy came up. Um, it just, it, I, I couldn't turn that down. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a big wrench to leave Portsmouth, but a, a fantastic opportunity at Brighton. Um, and it was, yeah, absolutely loved my time there. Brilliant. And obviously you're moving into that time at Brighton, you know, can you mind just going into a bit? Deeper yeah, of course. Of, of, of what um, your role was and how, you know, so my role at Brighton was joint yeah. lead under 18s coach, um, which again is probably slightly unusual. I think the, the general model is you have a, you have a lead coach and an assistant coach. Um, at Brighton at the time, uh, there is, uh, there was a, a coach called Mark Beard, who is, you know, um, one of my great friends in football and um, just absolutely loved my time working with him. And interestingly, we'd never actually met <laughs> before um, before I took the job and, and he and we were sort of given the job as joint leads. Um, so it was it was a really it was a really astute move from from John, um, John Morlin, the academy manager at Brighton, who someone I've got huge amount of respect for um fantastic boss fantastic leader and has taken brighton from you know uh a category three academy with with literally nothing to a category one academy which is now really really starting to show the the players uh, and the and he's starting to reap the rewards of everything he's done over the past few years with the, with the, the staff that he's brought into the club. Now he's starting to see the likes of, you know, Aaron Connolly, Stephen Alzati, Victor Yorkerez, Teddy Jenks, Hayden Roberts, Alex Cochran, all, all these players now coming through into the first team. Max Sanders, Jason Malumbi. There's there's literally so so many players now coming through, and also others that have gone on to play. Um, for 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 top clubs in the football league, and um, yeah, he very he very interestingly said, "Look, you know, would you consider taking the job as a as a joint lead with Mark?" Um, and uh, and I think Mark and I would have probably both admit we were a bit sort of um, bit hesitant as to whether this would work or not. Um, but we sat down um, and it became very clear sort of five minutes mm. into the conversation that it wasn't going to be a problem. Um, and we, we sat down and we worked out what, what we felt was was my strength and his strength. And we had an honest conversation and kind of just clearly outlined which bits of the role we were going to be responsible for. Um, 
and uh yeah we we um we work together brilliantly i think not just mark but the whole the whole staff team at brighton and it would it would take me a long time to go through through everyone individually but i literally cannot speak highly enough of of the the staff there um from top to bottom it's a it's a fantastic football club that's run incredibly well um right from the from the chairman down and um you know every everyone at that club plays their part and it was just a a fantastic environment to be involved in um great groups of players that we worked with over my my two years there and um yeah just just we we decided that we we both had an awareness of of the model the specialist coaches model that the FA were using in terms of the in possession and out of possession strategy and and Mark and I actually sort of sat down and decided to work in that way ourselves um so what we would do is we worked in six week cycles um throughout the season and to give ourselves a focus as coaches and and to make to give the players clarity on on which areas we were working in one of us would work in possession and one would work out of possession for those six week cycles um where it differed to the FA model was we would then switch um each cycle so that we were both working in and out of possession through the season but we just had a specific focus for that cycle now the reason we did that was a it's very different in a club setting when you're working on the grass every single day um to do just in possession for for that for the whole season or just out of possession i think would be um would be very very intense and sort of it would probably narrow your focus too much as a coach so we decided to to switch um every 6 weeks just so we had that freshness for ourselves and for the players um but we still had a specific focus and you know when it came to um opposition analysis and things like that you, you know we knew which areas we were responsible for and the players knew that and i think that worked really well and that was kind of sort of my first sort of foray into into really sort of a, a version of the specialist coaches model and i think it worked really really well for for mark and i and um i think the players liked it and uh yeah it was it was it was um it was a different way of working with joint leads and and with in possession and out possession coaches and that coupled with obviously all the all the staff and in the mdt team i think we we had a really really good setup and and i know that's that's carrying on now with 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 james baxter stepping up with with mark so yeah it's a good a good model um and one that worked really well for us really you know obviously touched on there about essentially uh, adopting your own version of these national specialist um coaches roles and you know yeah. the whole two years on you're actually now a national specialist coach for you um so would you mind just going into a bit of detail around what that looks like what the model is about you know and obviously to talk to us a bit more about the benefits that you feel that, it, that yeah that as a, as i said uh, i think the, I the firstly it's, it's really important to to point out that the the dynamic in terms of club coaching where you're day to day and you've got a game every week is very very different to that of um international football where you're looking at 
you know, five, five camps or four camps in a tournament per year. Um, so the, the focus obviously for, for us as international level is we have a huge amount of time to, um, plan and a huge amount of time to review. Whereas at club, you don't get that, you know, it's, it's literally the plan do review is, you know, a real, you, you obviously plan as well as you can and you review as well as you can, but the reality is time um, means that you're limited in what you can do with that. When you go to, to work with the FA um, and you're preparing for tournaments, you, you have the time to do that. You have the time to, to really plan your, for me as, as, as the in-possession specialist, you have real time to plan your uh, strategies, whether that's, build the attack, create the attack, finish the attack. So you work through the thirds and you, and you can work on real detail. You know, you, you're able to get opposition footage and and look through lots and lots of games. You've got great support from the analysis team to, to help with that. Um, so the level of detail that you can go into um, is, is just uh, crazy compared to the level of detail that you can go into at club. Um, and again, when it comes to reviewing what you've done, you have that time to review it. You have, um, and again, a real sort of challenge, uh, challenge environment where there are no excuses. You, you know, you, you can't, you can't say you didn't have time to plan properly or you didn't have time to review it properly. So if you're, if if you're going to put something forward, you better make sure it's it's top because otherwise you're going to be you're going to be challenged on that and it's going to be pulled apart. Which I think is when you're working at that level, when you're talking about trying to win tournaments and and produce players for international level, I think that's the the level of of detail and quality that you have to go into really. Um, so that's that that was kind of the. The idea behind the model for me in, in practice, my role as the in possession specialist is to to plan, prepare, and deliver all of the the in possession strategies. As I say, from build the attack, create the attack, finish the attack, and also the attacking set pieces. So that would be my my role um, on camp. Um, the role off camp outside of the the planning phase and the obviously the camp itself and the doing the, uh, the reviewing phase would be to support with with talent id and, and club engagement so what watching a lot of games um knowing the players that are in the pathway knowing the players who could potentially come into the pathway uh is a big part of the role so um very very different to a to a club setting but just allows you to to get some real laser focus on what you're doing, which for me as a as a coach um, and and uh, development for myself has been has been massive. Brilliant. And obviously, just touching on there, you know, working with, I guess, players that are potentially going to go and represent the national side um, at senior level. What would you say is the major differences that you've observed in, I guess, uh, the 
between those that are maybe touching that level and those that are just looking to kind of step into the pro game. As, yeah, as, no, it does. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, the, and again, it kind of links into what I was talking about in terms of the, the four corner model. I think, you know, generally speaking, um, we've got some we've got some fantastic athletes um, in the pathway. Uh, we've got some fantastic technicians now, um, which I think is credit to the academy um, set up and the, and the EPPP, which I, I think, you know, has, has had its um, negative press over the years and um, obviously some, some challenges for clubs around it in terms of audits and things. But generally speaking, I think it's really, really um, brought the level of quality of coaching and therefore player um, uh, it's, it's really progressed that on. And, and I, I truly believe that in our pathway, we've got, we've got some of the best players in the world um, at their respective age groups. And I think for me, the, the difference, the, the point of difference for them is that so, psych social side of it. Um, so it's the ones with uh, the mentality um, to work at the levels that you need to work at on a consistent basis. Um, to show the attitude, the application, to um, to be the best they can be, uh, to have that sort of desire to win, I think I think is is important, um, particularly when it gets to to PDP, um, and I and I think that as I say, that's that's the area where you really see whether whether those players are, are going to sort of kick on and, and be top players. Um, because as we all know, there's several players out there that are incredibly talented and maybe have all, all the physical gifts that that you need to to be a top player, but maybe they just can't quite cope with the environment and the pressures and the, and the challenges that surround that the, the game at that level mentally. So I think for me, yeah, the 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 top top players just have that that ability to uh, i would i would sum it up as by saying they have the ability to meet the demands of the game uh, across across the four corners and and specifically the the mental side of it mm. so just to kind of you know come back to your journey a little bit then you know just looking at some of the things that you know you've experienced so you know to date what would you say are some of the key things that your roles are taught you about leading others and particularly young uh i guess i don't know um, so i think the, the, the most important thing for me is uh honesty i think you've got to you've got to tell the players um what you think um and and be honest um and engage them in that process so although i've just said that just conscious of what i said i've just said tell them um actually part of that is is a huge part of that is a two-way conversation so you know where do you think you're at how do you think you're doing you know where 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 do you feel you need to improve what do you feel is going well those sorts of conversations and getting a real clarity and a real agreed um, picture of, of where that player is at at that specific moment in time 
and then i think for me it's about providing the appropriate level of Mm. challenge and support so um it's it's really important that you you build relationships with with players and with individuals particularly at that age group and you create um you know psychologically safe environment environment where they're happy to say what they're really feeling um which is a challenge sometimes for adolescents um it's a challenge for you know people with older people with fully formed brains um so for adolescents it's particularly hard so i think you have to you have to have a relationship which is based on trust and respect for for one another it doesn't have to mean that um you know they 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 really like you uh but i think that helps i think that does help um but but ultimately yeah they've got to know that um you're going to be honest with them and, and you've got you've got their back and i think for me i've always approached it with with players that i've worked with um to say look i'll always be honest with you um and you might not like some of the things i'm going to say but I assume you'd rather you'd rather me tell you what I think as opposed to trying to sort of sugarcoat it or butter it up. And and ninety nine point nine percent of players want that that honesty. Um, but to have that level of to be able to have those difficult conversations, you need to have a a relationship which is formed on 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 respect and also knowing that if I say to a player um you know you, you your for example your your GP, gps stats your high speed running stats um aren't where they need to be at the moment and this is where they need to be as an as a as an example um it's important for them to know that that's not personal that's not a personal dig at them it's about dealing with um the the key the key performance indicators that dictate whether they are going to get to the next level or not because ultimately you're working with the player to try and help them to fulfill their potential and sometimes part of that involves having a difficult conversation that they might not want to hear um so so that's the challenge is is really pitching that at a level that's appropriate and i think understanding that each individual is is markedly different so what one will work for one individual will not necessarily work for another. Mm. And it's about getting to know that individual and what they want. And I think sometimes what a trick that we miss as a coach um, is just actually asking them, like, what, how, how do you want to receive that information? You know, do you want, are you happy for me to, to um, praise you um, in, in a group, in a public setting? Or would you rather I, I bring that to you one to one or and those sorts of things like different players and different personalities will have different needs um and our job as the coaches I think I believe is to to work out and to establish what those needs are and to try and try and meet the needs of that player use utilizing the knowledge and experience that that we've got from you know, working at this age group and this level for for a period of time, and, and what we know about the game, um, and I think that's that's what I'd sort of strive to, strive to do as a coach. Um, 
And I think that just gives you that platform to be able to to help the players when when they know that you know you've 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 got their back and you you never it's never personal. You're you're looking to if you're having a difficult conversation with them, they understand and, and accept that that is to help them. It's not to um you know to put them down or or, or to make them, them feel bad. Mm, definitely. And I think as well, you know, as well as as well as your intentions are in situations where maybe it's not been received in that way. I'm just curious to know whether you've had any situations like that and you know, it's potentially led towards uh, a potential breakdown of a relationship and you know, if you've been able to recover from that, you know, it, it, I don't know if you've been Yeah, able I think to um, certainly I, I'd be I'd be lying if I if I sat here and said no. Throughout my career, I've always uh, I've I've always um, managed those difficult conversations personally, and I've never said anything that players taken the wrong way or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That that that's fundamentally not true, and I think any any coach that stands up here and says that is probably uh, probably needs to do a bit more self reflection. So football's an, an emotional game, of course, um, and you know um, players players want to win or players want to perform and and sometimes when they're not doing that it, you know it can be it can be challenging from from an emotional point of view and certainly you might say something in in the heat of the moment which um probably isn't helpful i think the key is in those situations and i have to say they probably happen a lot less frequently now um which i guess just is down to experience and and exposure to those sorts of situations you you find yourself taking a bit more time probably than I than I did as a young coach or a young manager um but the key is if you do say something that um perhaps you regret or or you think on reflection that's not actually going to help that person um for me the key is um, you you deal with that pretty quickly um so whether that be that the next day that you're in training or, you know, on the phone that, that evening or whatever, I think, you, again, each situation and each individual is different. So the context is really important. Um, but I think the, the key thing is if you say something you regret or you something you feel is going to be um, unhelpful to, to the team or the player, then, then you, you show some humility um, you uh, you show some vulnerability in terms of admitting that you've made a mistake, because um, I think that's that's important to model that behaviour for for the players so that they understand that um, making mistakes is is not only okay but it's it's a massive part of your learning journey. So for me, yeah, in those situations where I've maybe said something or or, or um, reflected on on something I've done it's important to, to go back and and address that and have that conversation um, with the individual or the team concerned. So that, that would be, and I've certainly done that on, on several occasions through my coaching career. And obviously, you know, just going to kind of bring back to, you know, you're talking about your coaching career and I'm, you know, coaching in various different environments up to now and you know i'm sure that the, that that journey will continue for a long time and i hope it does just curious to know you know what 
what if any experiences or individuals in particular have had, had a massive influence on your journey in the way that you've seen things and if there's any key lessons that you've taken away from these particular people yeah wow that you've, um you know kept share with us there there have been so 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 many people um that that have influenced me um during my my time as a, as a coach and, and as a manager um got to spend a long time listing them all i think um first and foremost for me my my dad was a huge influence he was the one that kind of uh, inspired me to get into coaching he was a coach himself um not to any fantastic level um but um you know he he brought me up in in the game and he was involved with with um with portsmouth in in the days where they had um you know some really really good players likes of Darren Anderton and and um, Andy Orford and, and Kit Simons and players like that who I sort of grew up around as a kid, which was which was fantastic for me. So he was, you know, the first big influence on me. I think then, you know, moving forward through my career, oh, so that's so many people. Yeah, there's so many so many good people in in football. I think I think um, certainly. Certainly, Tommy Widrington giving me the the opportunity to assist him at, at Salisbury was was massive. And then working with with Daryl Clark, who who is now Walsall manager, um, who you know, is a great friend of mine, and working with him, he he influenced me massively in in many ways. Um, Mark Kelly at Portsmouth, you know, playing playing under uh, under or oh, sorry, working under. Managers such as such as Andy Orford and and um, Paul Kirk and Kenny Jacket, you know, you can't help but but pick up um, really important learnings from from these sorts of of people. Uh, and then similarly, sort of going through through the journey um, at Brighton, John Morlin, Ian Buckman. Simon Rusk, Shannon Ruth, Mark Beard. You could literally go through, um, you, you know, so, so many um, staff and, 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 and good people that have, have influenced me. And that's just speaking about the football side of it. You know, that a lot of, a lot of people in, in the, in the MDT teams, you, you know, um, be that sports psychology, be that, um, S and C that they've they've had huge influences and, and helped me along the way as well and you know seeing Chris Chris Hewton work and and conduct himself the the way he does um, is you know is fantastic absolute absolute joy um, an incredible human being incredible um, football man and his his staff and then Graham Potter coming in and and his staff. Um, were outstanding and and you know latterly Dan Dan Ashworth as well who is I think um, you know one of one of if not the top technical directors probably in the world. Um, the, these are all people that you just can't help but but um, but gain gain knowledge and 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 develop with um, and there's also people such as. Um, uh, ben Bartlett, who who was at the FA now, who's head of coaching at um, Fulham, I think really really challenged me in my in my coaching journey. 
um, and and sort of I think Ben thinks thinks on another level. To be honest, I, th- I think he's 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 outstanding, um, and he's certainly someone that's that's influenced my coaching practice. And um, an- another another one of my one of my best best friends um, outside of football who has now found his way into football from cricket is. Is a guy called Ian Brunchweiler who is coach development manager at Southampton Football Club now, and um, he's someone that I speak to very regularly, and we we we're always kind of talking about coaching and and, and management and and our beliefs around it, and sort of testing each other and challenging each other on, on those sorts of things. and And I think sometimes conversations with those sorts of people um, regularly are the best form of CPD, if I'm honest. Um, I, I think, it, it, you know, I, I'm very, very fortunate to, to have um, an incredible amount of, of, of people to call on and, and to discuss whether that's a new idea um, that, you, that you want sort of check and challenged or whether it's an experience that, you know, you maybe feel like you've not handled as as well as you could or, or maybe it's something that you've done and and, you, and you're quite happy with, and you want to share it with other people. I'm I'm really really fortunate to have um, top top people that I can I can call on um, and have those sorts of discussions with. So, I mean, I know that was a that was a long list of people, and and I feel like there's there's probably there's probably another ten or ten or fifteen, maybe twenty more that I that I could mention. Um, who have who have really helped helped me um, on my journey? So um, those that I haven't mentioned, I apologise. You know who you are. <laughs> Definitely. And then obviously you talked talk to you about the, in the massive padding. I'm just curious to know then. You know, ha- having that network of people around you is obviously very important, but what helps to keep you motivated and inspired, you know, to keep pushing on being your best. And, you know, I know you talked there, you mentioned, this, you know, mm-hmm. certain roles, you almost had to dedicate your life to it to an extent, you know, you've got this long-standing passion to try and, uh, you know, be the best you can and get to the highest level and potentially mm-hmm. maybe one day work in a senior person or a professional level. Um, I think um, all those things you, you just mentioned, first and foremost, um, it's that passion to, to help people and to, to help them develop I think also I've I've probably had a little bit of a journey where um I've I would suggest that a lot of people have told me or, or I certainly a lot of people would have said about me um you, you know he's he's not experienced enough to do that or he's probably not good enough to do that or um I've had a lot of kind of I guess it's not been it's not been a straightforward journey. I've I've not I've not got an illustrious um playing career that opens opens doors um to to certain roles. So ev- every role that I've I've got I've had to to work really really hard to to get and probably had to overcome some some obstacles um and some barriers to to do that over time. And I think what motivates me is just really to be sort of curious, I guess, more than anything to to see um, what level I could get to and and if I could could cope with that and and how that would 
how that would sort of transpire if, if I was able to to get to the next level. And I mean, I've had, I think um, I'm, I'm very proud of, of what I've achieved over the past few years. You know, I feel like I've sort of had a, had a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a rise really to, to go from sort of non-league sort of from Salisbury city to Portsmouth to Brighton. And now to be working with, with the England setup is, is kind of a, um, it's a steady sort of progression. And I think, uh, for me, the challenges are going to be when that um, when that comes to an end, and so when there's a there's a bump in the road, which I'm I'm probably due <laughs> to be honest, and 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 how I then res- respond to that, and and what what the next chapter is after that, and then the next chapter after that, and so on and so forth. And really, I'm just I'm curious to see uh, to see sort of how how um, far. I guess I can go and, and, and how I would cope with those sorts of situations. And hopefully um, I've always, I've always worked on the, on the premise that if you keep striving to improve yourself and you work hard um, and you, you try to be a good person, um, then you'll enter, you'll ultimately end up where you deserve to end up and you'll get the opportunities that you deserve to get. Um, and, And I hope that, I hope that I will get an opportunity to um, to coach and manage at higher levels again um, at, at some point, and that's 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 what 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 drives me on that that um, desire to really to to test myself, to take myself out of my comfort zone, um, and have a go. I think that's that's it's all anyone can ever do. All we can do is is do our best, and and I've always sort of strived for for opportunities to um to have a go at something and and you know if if i um if i fail uh, it certainly won't be for a for a lack of um a lack of trying um and you know i think as i say those sorts of failures and those disappointments are, are kind of what make you what help you to grow um and and to to hopefully achieve what what you're capable of achieving, I guess. Definitely, you know, and obviously kind of just to build on that then, you know, talk there about some of the things that you want to achieve and, you know, and, you know, almost having a bump in the road and you've t- you touched on a few things earlier in this conversation mm. that you might have found as uh, obstacles and challenges. At but what would you say has been the biggest challenge of your coaching journey, you know, is it something, and if it's something that you've been able to deal with and how to so, get over it. And if it so I think for, for me, the, the, Probably the the biggest challenge I think of my coaching journey, or the biggest um, thing I had to overcome, was was when I was given when I was given the manager's job at, at Salisbury at twenty eight. Um, there was uh, there was a, a, a real feeling that I was aware of. Um, I appreciate it's it's not a huge football club, um, but. Uh, there, there is a there is a solid fan base, if you like, there, um, and um, you are aware. Regardless, every, everything's relative. I, I, I accept and appreciate it's not it's not a um, a massive, massive football club, or it wasn't a massive football club. Um, but you're still aware of of what people um, people's perceptions of you are, and, and, the, and the perception was very much that I wasn't ready, um, I wasn't capable of of being a manager um it was it was a bit of a 
a disaster in the in the in the waiting um and there was an expectation that you know i i, I was going to fail and the team was going to fail um and i think that was regardless of whether that's one person saying that or a hundred thousand people are saying that it's 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 still that still tests you mentally um i think that coupled with the fact that i lost my first three league games um as a manager was a real 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 testing time um because you do start to question whether you know whether am, am I doing the right things? You know, is 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 this right? I had a great great deal of deal of support around me at that at that time, and you know, I believed in what we were doing. The players believed in what we were doing, and we stuck to our guns and and we um, we worked hard, and, and we ended up winning seven out of the next eight games. Um, so you go from very quickly um, being you know, useless at your job or the perception is that you're useless to the perception being that now you're, you're absolutely brilliant and you're outstanding. And I think the reality is somewhere in between. Um, I think um, in this game and, and in sport and, and probably in life in general, you need a bit of luck. Um, you, you need to, you, you need to, the cards to fall in a certain way for you in, in certain, certain moments. And um yeah, I think the the reality is we're all we're all just doing our best um, within the context of our our lives and our and our careers and you know that that was a big that was a big one to overcome just when you hear people um, I never really never really been too concerned with people what people say about me it was more the team that I didn't like I didn't like um, I always found it difficult when when I heard people saying um, negative things about the players or, or because. I find it difficult when, when people pass comments uh, on those sorts of things, which they don't understand when they don't see their players working day in, day out and, and the sacrifices that they make and the commitment that they have. Um, that, that was, that was yeah. the biggest thing. So, so I, overcoming that, I think having lost the first three games um, was a big challenge, but my, my view is, and, and my view will always be that um Football is obviously a huge part of my life. It's it's a huge part of your life. It's a huge part of um, millions of people's lives, um, and that's really important. However, in my opinion, you know, life, family, things like if if I think about the challenges that I've that I've faced in my in my life, um, without getting probably too too deep, if I think managing a football club or, or losing a game. 5-0 versus standing up in front of um, all my family and friends and, and doing a eulogy at my, my dad's funeral. It, it just doesn't compare. You know, that's that's hard. That's tough. That's a challenge. You know, some of the, some of the challenges that people go through and people are going through at the moment with, with their health and, you know, people that may have to go and have treatment for a serious illness, you know, that's a, that's a challenge. That's, um, that's a struggle losing a football match or not performing um yeah in the context of of what we do that's that's a challenge it's difficult but come on relatively speaking um you, you know we have in my view has always been to 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 look at the bigger picture and and have some perspective um and i think that's 
that sort of viewpoint has helped me along the way. And I do remember John Still, who is another one who's, who's influenced me over the years. Um, he was managing Luton um, in our league when I was Salisbury manager and we spoke most weekends after the games and, and he was a huge, huge um, help to me during that time. And he always used to say, and he used to repeat it without without any any fail, he always used to say, never get too high and never get too low. Uh, you, you know, if you win, don't get too high because there's a, there's, a, there's a kick in the balls around the corner. Um, and if you lose, never get too low because have some perspective because things things change. And I, th- I think that's the point. Everything's changing all the time. Um, and I think if you have a level of acceptance around that, it allows you to deal with that um, much better than if you don't. Definitely. You know, and it's kind of, you know, you, you touched on there, obviously, you know, everything's contextual, you know, everything, you know, it's individualised and you know, looking at that side of things. But one thing I think all of us have in common um, as coaches and people who have been working in this in this field in particular is we've all got <laughs> bugbears and pet hates. Yeah, I've got a few. I've got a few around um, the coaching the coaching pitch, shall we say. Um, uh. So uh, one of them is... Um, sessions which which basically uh, how to explain this is probably sessions with, without proper transition i guess would be would be the would be the um the biggest one so for example if you're doing a 5v2 box as an example um i don't understand why the two that win the ball back um just stop or give the ball to the other team um, or give the ball back to the five around the edge. Um, if if I'm doing a box or something like that, um, I would prefer. Well, I wouldn't prefer it. It would always be um, there. Would always be some element of transition, so there'd either be something. If the two win it, they either have to find a way to stay on it. Um, they either have to find a, a pass through the the goals, and also the the five that lose it, the five that around the the edge um you know they should have to do something they should either have to defend a goal or um or try and win the ball back um because that's the game for me and i appreciate people will argue you know that there's social um gains to to having a box and it being quite chilled out and stuff like that and and i understand that argument however for me practices and every opportunity you've got on the grass has to be as close to the game and and create the habits required um, for players to be successful. Uh, and, and I think it also brings competition, which is massive. Um, yeah. So, yeah, my, my kind of practice non-negotiables, if you like, are um, direction, opposition and, and transition. And I appreciate the opposition one is a real, is a real kind of discussion point. Um, I'm not a fan of unopposed practices. Um, so, uh, well, there you yeah, go. That's you go, good. Mate. I've got, got an ally in that. And when I say unopposed, I don't mean that everything has to be, um, I don't necessarily mean that everything has to be uh, 5v5 or 11v11 or, or even 4v3 yeah. or 5v2. I mean, you know, you can do, you can still do passing patterns um, with opposition. 
you, you know whether, whether that's one whether that's one p- player in each unit it just ultimately makes the the player on the ball have to make a decision um which i think if we're not if we're not creating a, an environment and we're not designing practices so that players are having to make decisions all the time then how on earth can we expect them to you know to make um make decisions in the game because we're not exposing them to enough of those situations yeah. so that and I think definitely the key thing to kind of take away from that is this building on is it it can be unopposed it can be opposed but more importantly than anything it needs to be it needs absolutely to be so, so the game. even just providing them some reference points of what that might be exactly right and and I think that that for me is it comes back to you, you have to start with start with the end in mind i think is is a really is a really good phrase so what what do you want to see what do you want to achieve and then sort of work backwards from there um i think that's really that's really important and and ultimately i guess if you're preparing a team for um a game you know what do you want that game to look like and 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 how do you want your team to play and how do you want your team to perform and then you work backward as to well these are the these are the things that we need to do during the week to make sure they do that if that's um a lot more long term view uh, and you're working with an individual um and you think okay this is what this is these are the sort of things we want to see from you on uh, uh, in the future whether if you're striving to be a first team player these as a first team player we want you to be able to do these sorts of things okay so how do we help put into practice into place those things to help um those players to to do you know to reach their their goals mm. you know it's, it's, it's kind of build on that then talking about reaching goals and you know i guess get becoming the best you can be in achieving those targets in knowing what you know now and with all the experience you've had both you know within the grassroots settings the academy settings and obviously now with the national setup if you had an opportunity to go back to yourself you know initially maybe when you turned 15 16 you know you've done your juniorship the junior leaders award um and then obviously eventually moving into your level one and whatnot if there's some messages that you could give yourself back at the start of your coaching journey what would that be Oof, good question really really good question um I think uh, probably at that time would have been uh, become better at re- reflecting, take time, um, value, value reflection, um, value uh, feedback, um, get some good people around you who, who will give you honest um, feedback, you know, critical friends, I think are absolutely vital. Um, I just pause there on that one, then, Mike. You know, you're talking about having honest people around you and get some good people around you. And, you know, and I find that, you know, one of the things I do is, you know, I work um, sure. as a tutor delivering some of the level ones, level twos. And I come across a lot of coaches who are maybe early in the jet, earlier or just starting out their coaching journeys. And even coaches who further down the line um, that I've come across in that piece around finding those people uh, having good people around you it's not as easy as it, as it, as it may look and certainly I'm, I'm not sure what it was like for you coming up as a young coach but certainly in my pathway and it, I've seen it happen with many others is that 
you go through these qualifications and some of the you know the, the generic feedback you tend to get or action planning points that you tend to get is go and observe a more experienced coach go and work alongside a more experienced individuals get but for a young coach or a coach new into the environment who's maybe still unsure of what that should look like or where, what coaching looks like for them that's not as easy no. as, as no it's it, it's, uh, re- it to be. it's really not you can very easily put in an environment where you're almost picking up bad habits and you're none the wiser, but because this person might have had many years of experience, you, in some ways, you would be blamed for assuming that no, they know absolutely what they're doing, that spot on. And, and I think, um, you know, they're, I think for me, that, that having that mentor or that person that can see you in the context of where you're working is really important as well. So some, so a, a criticism of of obviously the 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 coaching development courses and stuff um, is generally that you you're not working in the context that you're normally working in, if that makes sense. So you you'll be working with, for example, if you go and do a level two, you the players will be the other candidates um, on the course, and you know you might be an individual that doesn't feel comfortable in that setting, but is very comfortable working with. Um, yeah your under nine so sometimes i think that's um that's really it's a kind of a false it's a false lens of of that coach because it's just the 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 environments are are so so far detached that making a judgment and giving feedback to a coach in that context is is just inappropriate it's bordering on like inappropriate really it just doesn't it it, it's it's sort of irrelevant um so for me and Mm. i think you know, certainly the FA are, are trying to do this a lot better. I mean, I've just I've, I've finished my pro license recently, and and Paul Davis would would come out to the club to see me and see me work in the context of of Brighton and and um, you know, same top guy, great guy, fantastic, fantastic guy. Yeah, um, yeah, Dave Davo's brilliant, incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and just a just a great human being first and foremost. Um, so I was very lucky to have him, and also uh, I, I had um, Davo and, and and Phil Phil Church as well, um, uh, who would who would come and come and support me really in the context of where I was working. And that is the key, uh, you, you know. That's the absolute key. You want you want your you want to be given feedback, and you want support in the area that you're working, um, not in some fabricated, um, situation, which, which isn't, isn't actually that relevant to, to what you're doing on a, on a day-to-day basis. And I appreciate that's really, that's really difficult. Um, you know, I'm for, I'm very grateful and very fortunate enough to, to be able to, to go and do the pro license. That's, that's not, that's not the reality for, for most coaches so um how do you replicate that sort of support i think um you have to seek out mentors and 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 people that will will come and help you but again this all takes time because you need you need someone who who you trust really and and who you have a, a relationship with um because it's not easy to be told, you know, do you know you do this? <laughs> do, do you know this, you, you do this, or th- this is not 
this is not quite right or or maybe you, you need to think about how you consider that i think that's that's really difficult to find um another really really good tool and and it's becoming increasingly more straightforward now with with the advances in technology is to to record yourself um so mm. I, I think most people can do that obviously you know if you if you're working with 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 children and stuff and you're filming the session you, you need to make sure you get the appropriate consent and and things like that um first and foremost um but if you can film yourself record yourself um I think when I did my my A license many moons ago, the the first uh, filmed session um, where you were filmed and mic'd up and you delivered the session. Oh, watching that back was one of the most cringiest things I've ever had to put myself through. You know, thinking, God, do I sound like that? Do I say that? Do I keep saying that? Why do I keep saying that? Um, because you know, when you're when you're involved in something. It, you especially in the early early stages of your career you're not as aware of what you're saying you're not as aware of how you might be conducting yourself so you know there's two ways of doing that of, of getting that feedback and one it's asking someone a critical friend to be honest with you and tell you uh, and two is is to work out yourself by by recording yourself filming yourself um, and i think if you can combine those two things uh, that's really powerful to, to, to help you to, to develop. And you've got to, you've got to have, I think the key is, and this is probably the, the biggest sort of thing for me that I've learned over the years is you just got to put your ego to one side, <laughs> just literally just leave it somewhere over there and just be open-minded and take, um, take the feedback, take the criticism honestly self-reflect on you um and and accept the things that you might not be very good at and and try and improve them don't don't beat yourself up for that don't don't not i'm not saying self-critique critique yourself in a way that that you, you end up sort of like putting yourself down but certainly certainly remove the ego and just um try and be a bit more dispassionate in terms of what you're looking at and a bit more objective um, because that can then lead you to to have these realizations, which then help you to be better. Um, so I think that that for me is 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 a good is a good way of uh, of developing yourself. Hundred percent, you know. And just as we start to wind down, now, you know, trying to you know bring it back to you a little bit more, and maybe think about what's you know where do you see your your journey going next. Obviously, currently doing this national specialist role with the FA. Yep. Um, sure, you know you've got ambitions for your career to go on for many years to come, and I hope you, you do achieve that. But where do you see that going next? Where, where would you like to see that go next? Yeah, it's a it's a really really good question, and and something I've I guess all of us have had a lot of time to think about, given the given the situation that we've been presented with over the past few months. Um, I think for me, um, ultimately at some point, um, I would love to, to have a crack at, at being a first team manager again. Um, again, I think I've had an unusual 
journey in many ways to to get that first team management experience so early on in in my career and in my journey um and then to to not get back into it um it means that i haven't got probably the the real the real need um that maybe some other coaches have got to have a first team manager's experience because i have I have done it for a season, so so that does um, that does mean I I don't I'm not sort of striving to do it at, at all costs at any level. Um, but what I would say is, I'd love to do that at some point. Um, but I'm equally not naive to to think that that is an opportunity that will come up um, every two minutes. You, you know, to if you you've only got to look at the amount of of jobs, managers' jobs that exist, um, and the amount of incredibly talented, um, hardworking, uh, experienced coaches and managers there are out there. So I think um, for me to say, you know, that's that's what I'm gonna, you know, that's what I'm gonna go and do. I'm gonna go and be a first team manager one day. I think is that would be um, both naive and, and disrespectful uh, to 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 other people that have got that that same goal um so if i got the the opportunity to do that again um at the the right club and when i say the right club i think it's it's got to be it's got to be right for both parties i think that's one thing i've learned over my time is is that it's really important to work with with people or clubs that align with your with your values um i think that's really important so again when you do that, you're then narrowing your, <laughs> you're then narrowing your your opportunities even even more so. So, um, yeah, ultimately, I'd, lo- I'd love to have a a crack at doing that again. Um, but equally, I love working with the you, you know the younger age groups. I think anything anything upwards of of sixteen. Um, it, it, the PDP phase, I guess, is is probably where I have the most experience and therefore logically it is probably where I can maybe add, add a lot of value, um, you know, there and, and, and the senior level. So I think for, for me, it's the, the goal is, is, is always the, the same is to try and coach and, and manage at the, at the highest level that I can. Um, I think, uh, my preference is is to lead um, where I can. I think um, I think I enjoy um, the challenge of of bringing bringing people t- together, whether that be staff or, or players or both. I, I enjoy the challenge of that and um, and the uh, the the pleasure and the joy you get from from that when you when you lead people to, towards a, a common goal um, and you, you know, you get closer to that or you achieve that. I think that's pretty special. It's just, it's, it's a great feeling. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think for me to, to lead or, or coach or manage at the highest level that I possibly can within, within the game um, is still my goal and, and always, always has been really. Excellent. You know, you just talking there about, you know, trying to get to the highest level and like I said, you're still 
relatively young at age 46. <laughs> 36, Yaz, come on. 36, you're not listening. <laughs> You've got um, many years left Many years left mm. in your tank, hopefully. But, you know, just like, you know, when, when you do eventually get towards that back end of your journey and you're thinking about calling time in your career, what would be, what would be your ideal way of, I guess, leaving an imprint? What would you want your legacy to be when you do eventually get to that back end of your yeah, journey? Yeah, I mean... Wow, that's uh, I'm I sincerely hope that's a long way off, and and I I don't I don't envisage myself ever ever retiring unless uh, unless I have to. I think, um, you know, I love the game. I love uh, I love working with people, um, and you know, we don't know what the what the world's got in store, do we? You know, it changes so quickly. But certainly, I will I will want to work um, as as long as I possibly can, and. I think for for me, um, it's a it's a great question because it really does make you think about, um, you, you know, those that that time and and hopefully hopefully first and foremost I I get to that that time because um, nothing's guaranteed in this world. But I think for me it would be I, I hope that I would have maybe as trite as this sounds sort of helped um lots and lots of 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 people to fulfill their potential on and off the pitch really um i think that's that's the goal for me i think if you you know i i look at i look at my my career today and i'm i'm so grateful to have had the the experiences that that i've had um at still a relatively young age i think I, at 36 i'd still be certainly considered a young coach um, but I'm probably a young coach with with an older coach's um, sort of level of experience. Um, and I think, you know, been involved in some promotions, um, been involved in some, some, um, some great wins, some great moments. And um, I think they're, they're all great. And, but for me, it's when you look back and you reflect and you see, people that you've worked with or, or, or helped even just a little bit flourishing. I think that's the, that's the, that's the key. And, and I don't just mean flourishing on the football pitch. I mean, you know, players that I've worked with now that um, maybe didn't make it in the pro game, but have gone on to um, do a scholarship in America and are having an incredible experience doing things like that, or um, someone who's, maybe come out of the game but's gone into university and is, is flying doing something like that or someone that's gone into business or someone that's got a family and and um you know is enjoying that part of life just to see people um yeah flourishing i guess is, is the best is the best term um is is what is what it's all about uh and and hopefully when that time comes and hopefully it's a long time off um I'll be able to look back and think of, you know, think I've 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 helped maybe in some small way, um, loads loads of people to uh, to do that. Brilliant. You know, just again, kind of build on that. Then talking of helping others and you know wanting to have that impact. You know, if we kind of, I gave you sixty seconds now to kind of leave the listeners with a golden nugget maybe to potentially take forward and apply within their own journeys what would that be well um yeah I try you well I, I think there's 
there's quite i think i've i've learned quite a few few bits of uh, you know from from other people um i've i've learned a huge a huge amount of things and i think again to to pick one thing is is really difficult um because again like we spoke about uh, context is context is everything um and, and what i what i might advise um for for one person is is probably not not necessarily uh, appropriate for the others but i think um go on well then let me see, let me dissect it further then let's go that then let's say if there was a bit of information that you've learned throughout your journey or or i guess insight that you've picked up along the way what will be one or a couple of things that you think are so I think universal. first and foremost, you, you've got to strive to to better yourself all the time. Um, you've got to you've got to learn. You've got to continue to have a d- desire and a curiosity to learn uh, and into to improve yourself because the game and and life uh, it is evolving at such a rate. And if you stand still or, or you stop, then um, you're, you're very, very quickly going to get left behind and passed by. And, and I think, um, you know, you, you, you've the minute you think, uh, and I've seen it on a, on a few occasions where people might think they've cracked it, <laughs> or they, or they, uh, they think they, they've got the, the. Um, the amount of knowledge that they need, I guess, um, then it comes back to bite you very, very quickly. So for me, striving to develop yourself, to constantly develop yourself, to constantly look how you can evolve um, as a person, as a practitioner, um, being open-minded to that that sort of process, I think is, is really, really key. And um, as I said before, uh, a lot of that involves um, leaving leaving your ego to one side, and I think that's probably the the best the best thing and the best bit of advice I, I can I can give anyone, especially young coaches, is to it's not it's not about it's not about you. Um, it's about it's about the players. Brilliant. And just on a you know final note, then Mike, you know, if you've got any listeners out there, maybe want to kind of follow up with some of the stuff that you've touched on in this conversation, or have any questions for you beyond it, is there anywhere? Yeah, so that's another really good thing, and this is this should have been my sixty seconds. So I'm not on any social media. <laughs> um, that should have been my advice. Okay. Get off social media, and I probably shouldn't say that, should I? But um, yeah, um, so no, I, I say I'm not on social media. I am on I am on LinkedIn. Um, and uh yeah I, i'm contactable uh on that or, or if um certainly if if anyone listening to this podcast has any questions um if you're happy to to forward them on to me as then that you know you you've got um yep. you've you've got the profile to to do that so um yeah if you want to if you want to pass that on to me i'll gladly um try and answer any questions or help in in any way that I can, although I certainly don't have um, certainly don't have all the answers. Brilliant. Well, yeah, I'll be sure to kind of share that. Yeah, please do. You, you know, please should do. I get any questions coming forward, and I'm sure, sure they will. Uh, but Michael, I just want to say thank you again for your time this morning. 
um, very insightful conversation for me. I'm sure it will be for our listeners too. Um, again, <laughs> Cheers. Belated happy birthday. Yeah, Hello. thanks. Thanks, Yaz. Really day, appreciate mate. your time and, and well done for for everything you're doing and the content you're producing. I'm sure, um, you know, we're all grateful for that. And uh, yeah, keep doing it. Well, there you have it, guys. It's another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye out on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.